lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand on Blaze TV radio podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. Good to see all of you at 888-900-3393. That's 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. We are at Steve Dace on Parlor, And you can check out our new YouTube page, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. Go there, subscribe, get free clips of the show that you can sample for yourself and then share with others at youtube.com slash Steve Dace. Typical Wednesday on tap for you today. One of our most favored segments each week, Buy, Seller Hold, is coming your way next hour. Actually, next segment. Uh, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, will join us. And whoa, Nelly, was my phone filling up with woe and lamentation at about 5.01 Eastern until about 5.20 Eastern yesterday. I mean, I received mucho woe mucho lamentation from all over the fruited plain. There were, did anything happen? Was going on yesterday at five o'clock Eastern that would have no. set so many people off? Well, I planned on tuning in and you didn't, but based on whatever circumstances life dealt us, our roles were reversed. And then I looked at my phone and said, wow, Steve must really be living his best life now. I... <laughs> I'm so broken after that yesterday. I'm just broken. And you know, you know, you know me and my contrarian nature, Okay. I've got people texting me all over the country losing their bowels, losing their bowels. And, and, in, and in several different text chains, and then they're like, and then it was funny too, because like a, a good portion of the group was losing their bowels, but then like another portion of the group was like, I, I, I knew this was going to happen, so I could not bring myself to watch. So I don't know what's happening, and don't tell me. I don't want to know. So there was this wanton, willful cognitive dissonance going on. At the same time, those that subjected themselves to this are wailing and gnashing their teeth. And, and finally, you know me as a contrarian. When, when the whole tide is going one way, I'm like, it can't be that. It can't be that obvious, right? So I make the decision... After it's done, so if you go to my Twitter feed, which is actually now, well, it's still at Steve Day Show. You'll just notice it's under a different name now, uh, Ventilator Fetish. Um, if you go to my Twitter feed at Steve Day Show, you're going to see, like, I'm just reacting in real time to what people are telling me in real time that are watching it. And then there's like a break in the action where I'm like focused on some other stuff going on in the news. And then finally, I'm like, okay. I got I to gotta watch this myself. It, it can't be this bad. It can't be. And Fauci wasn't, was he there or wasn't no, he? He's saying, no, it was a solo and act. And he wasn't even there. It was a solo act. <laughs> and so I'm like, it can't be that bad. I'm going to tune it in. Put it this way. I needed to go read Mike DeWine's Twitter feed for a pick-me-up. 
after watching that. Yet, nonetheless, I told you, you seem more free now that you've just looked this you know reality why? in the eye. You know, you know why? Because I've reached Detroit Lions fandom stage now. Yeah, though. No. Okay. That's I'm, a whole in, different in, kind of yeah, freedom. Yes, I'm in total self-loathing mode now. Total self-loathing mode. Um, it's how I, it's, it's my defense mechanism. I don't like to admit when I am, am going to lose. So I come up with a way to still declare a win yeah, by yeah. attacking um, the instrument that's going to cause my demise. And you can that's find, how I'm, that's yes. where I'm at right now. And you now. can finally see reality the way it's meant to be seen. As I learned sitting with you, once I, we watched some Lions games together, and I was like, Steve, I've seen you do this on Twitter. It's not really. I saw with my own, as you yeah. predicted things. Yes. You can, you yeah. are, you become clairvoyant in a way you yeah. weren't otherwise. So right. look at your life is better now. I, I am in total self-loathing mode. <clears throat> I am in total uh, gallows humor. And I have decided now I am just going to embrace ventilator culture. I am going to embrace it. Um, you know, and. Here's Aaron with a rundown of what happened while we were away. As one family, we mourn every precious life that's been lost. It will probably, unfortunately, get worse before it gets better. We have tremendous supplies and a great supply chain, whether it's ventilators or gowns or just about anything they need. This includes ensuring all hospitals are aware of the importance of different approaches to oxygen treatment, including high flow oxygen, the importance of steroid treatment for those on ventilators. When you're on a ventilator, uh, we've learned a tremendous about the use of the ventilator. People never had an experience like this, where we needed so many ventilators so fast. We're making thousands now a month, thousands of ventilators a month. It's been quite amazing. I get calls all the time asking for help, especially as it pertains to the ventilators. They need help with ventilators. They have to get them. Initial shutdown was to prevent the overflow of our hospitals and to allow us to meet the demands caused by this global pandemic, including the ventilators. Assemble. The doctors have become incredibly, and nurses and helpers have become incredibly good at the use of a ventilator, which is actually a very complicated procedure. We've learned a lot. We've learned a lot about this disease, how to handle it. The doctors have learned a lot, not only in the use of the ventilators, but in many other things. And
have never respected Aaron Moore, and I also hate him with the heat of a thousand suns for what he did to one of my most favorite uh, movie scenes ever. Let me, you know what I'm going to do? I'm inspired to do here for just a couple of seconds. Just to, I need to share my pain. I, I went through, I want to walk you through my timeline in real time on Twitter as I'm reacting first to what people are telling me that I trust around the country and then what I witnessed, okay? So, after reading Daniel's thoughts initially, I tweet out, I want to be stabbed in the eye with a dull, rusty spoon. Make the anguish like truly linger. And I always like that Cranberry songs along, uh, song a lot. You like you know that. Plus, that way I'll be blinded and I'll never have to see another White House coronavirus briefing. I then moved on to In Purgatory. I decided to give you a little... Thank you. A little shout out there. In Purgatory, they make you sit through hours of White House coronavirus task force briefings to work off your time on the Sin Master. Or maybe that's North Korea. Sometimes I forget. Sometimes I think these White House coronavirus task force briefings, they're really not task force briefings, but they're dry runs uh, for Homeland Security, where they purposefully dangle maddening content out there in order to provoke the crazies to out themselves with threats to public uh, servants. That was another tweet that I had. Then I take a break and I'm posting the show and I'm looking at news and I finally decide, all right, I got to watch this thing for myself. Okay. Rewatching the White House Coronavirus Task Force briefing because I clearly hate my life and I want to share a cell with Ghislaine Maxwell. And I've already counted the word ventilator said six times. Oh, whoops, that's seven. I'm dead. At that point, I changed my name to Ventilator Fetish on Twitter. You're exactly right about your football feed thing because when either one of your teams are going bad yeah i'll make sure i go to your twitter feed because this i want to see in real like. time what's this, 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 this is like. what it looks like yes. this is the meltdown this is what it looks like <laughs> everybody's been fired every scholarship's been revoked this is what it looks like and they should never play again <laughs> yes, this yes. Is what it looks like uh, i then tweet out the look on my face the next time i hear white house coronavirus task force briefing and it's my all-time favorite gif of hillary clinton going you know, that look that she had at the convention from four years ago. Whatever you do, don't Google ventilator porn. I'm ashamed to admit, and then I decided at this point I needed to shut it down until I picked it back up this morning. I'm ashamed to admit there's very few indignities, many of them carnal. I would not suffer to never hear the word ventilator again. Um, and then we pick it up. We pick it up this morning. What are you ventilators drinking tonight? I decided just to go all in on it now, right? Now, now I'm done with the anguish. I'm going to embrace. I'm going to embrace death now. I'm going to welcome it. Uh, my dark friend. Um, I see this. There's a ridiculous photo tweeted out by some male model and who asks, uh, men, what's preventing you from looking like this? And it's guys wearing dresses with suit coats and shorts. I mean, just ridiculous, right? My response is, well, I mean, these asexual being, beings who clearly hate themselves are cute and all, but give me a ventilator with self-confidence and smoldering good looks any day. Um, I then moved on to a question one of our listeners asked. Rusty Kuehl wanted to know, hey, how many ventilators do you want? Because I, I heard the other day that we're the ventilator king. And I wrote back, I can only take so many ventilators at once, but I'm a guy, so of course I wouldn't mind having two ventilators at the same time. Um... 
and then it moved on to um i always wear uh, Daniel, of course, then chimed into the conversation and said, hey, just make sure when you're with your ventilator that you're wearing a cloth mask. And I said, well, I always wear a second skin, ultra thin cloth mask when I hook up with ventilators for max sensation. Um, again, I'm going all in. I'm all in on this right now. And then, you know, I, day 54 of riots in Portland, where apparently no one works or has jobs. Does anybody work? <laughs> what, what, they should just change the name of that city to the perch they just all sit around until it goes dark and then it's like kick the tires and light the fires let's roll day 54 how ridiculous does that sound well, it's portland oregon man they were peaceful until a couple days ago until the federal troops showed up Steve. day 54 of protest in portland the mean streets of portland oregon Compton, South Central, Detroit, Portland. Day 54. Day 54, where are you? Day 54 of riots in Portland where no one works, apparently. And when you see people with all this pent-up frustration, all you can come to think is they just need some ventilator time there in Portland, I think. At this point, ventilators are my thing, right? We all have a thing. That ventilators, I've gone, I'm not going to fight the ventilators anymore. Ventilators mount up. I, I am, I'm fully involved now. What's that stuff? It's the BDSM, right? BDSMV, all right? What's all the letters stand for? Do you know? I don't even know. Are you, are you talking about like, that? Like, like weird fetish, name? like a 50 shades of gray? No, like 50 shades of gray and stuff like that. Isn't it called BDSM? Isn't I, that what it's called? I honestly don't. Aaron, know. you're young. Isn't that what it's called? Uh, BDS is boycott divest, uh, divestment sanctions. That's the anti Israel <laughs> thing. Not helpful. <laughs> but funny. But funny. <laughs> well, it should be BDSMV, right? 50 shades of ventilators, right? I mean, I'm going all in now. I mean, I can't get enough of ventilators, all right? I just, you know, I just want, I want ventilators coming at you, all right? So what Ventilators. I got, I, I still don't know because I wanted to hear your elevator speech before. Like, what happened? The like, same thing that's happened every other time, unfortunately. It, it was. And we were five minutes in and he said the word ventilator seven times and I, I, I began self-harm. That's what that's what occurred. In the first 15 right. minutes, he mentioned ventilators a total of 12 times. What's funny is him and I both counted without knowing the other one was counting. But he called me this morning to, to talk about, you know, the rundown and everything. He had an idea. didn't really give me specifics other than I have an idea how to tie this into a movie. And independently in that conversation, Aaron and I discovered we had both began while watching this yesterday, counting how many times he said the word ventilators. That's that's where we're at right now. Okay. Okay. So here's what, let's be serious for a second. Unfortunately. Here's what we learned yesterday. Again, let's go back to what I said last week. We are on our own. We're on our own. We're gonna. There's no cavalry coming. They're not coming. We're on our own. We, in this case, Barack Obama was right. We are the people we have been waiting for. It's going to be up to us here. We have to do this. So I have prepared something that should be very simple for all of you watching right now to share. 
with people in your family, your friends who are all in on team lockdown and team panic porn. We're going to go old school Socratic method here. All right. And we're just going to ask some questions, some questions for team lockdown, some questions for team panic porn. That if 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 the panic porn that is your fetish, if the lockdown that you believe is your solution, remember when Australia had like the worst lockdown ever and now they are having a spike in new cases. Lockdowns don't work. They don't work. But your team lockdown, you're all in. If, you know what? Then you should be able to answer the following questions for us. Very simple questions. Let's start with this one. Where are all the dead Costco workers and customers? Costco's were open the whole time, and they also didn't compel mask use until May the 4th in their stores. So in March and April, why weren't we just hauling body bags, just burning bodies out behind Costco's all over the country? They were open the whole time and they didn't compel masks until May the 4th because that's the new solution is the mask. Wear a mask. That, that saves everything, right? Yep. Okay. Number two, where are all the dead Walmart workers and customers? Walmarts were also open the whole time. Are there, are there a lot of Walmarts around America? There are. There's a handful, a smattering, yeah. right? Okay. Uh, Walmarts were open the entire time, and Walmart did not compel mask use until July 20th. For those of you that went to public school, that was Monday. All right? So, again, I, I was just at Walmart the other day. I looked. I didn't see anybody. I didn't see a crew in hazmats just, just burning the remains. So we don't, you know go to our overloaded hospitals that aren't overloaded. Maybe you did. Can you please point me in the direction of the Walmart casualty count, please? Next question. Um, where are all the dead workers and customers for America's national hardware store chains that have been open the entire time? I mean, I, I would imagine... That Lowe's has had to be hiring all along because it's a revolving door there with all the dead Lowe's employees, right? I mean, the death toll is catastrophic. And and so it's just, they can't keep up. I can't believe I'm not dead now because I've been to all these places, so... How do you know that you're not right now? I, well, it feels that way on yeah. some days. Yeah, I'm, I'm dead inside. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> After what I watched yesterday, I'm dead inside again. All right. Um, next question. Uh, where are all the dead truck drivers that were operating this entire time? I mean, let, let's face it. We love our truck drivers. We couldn't be America without them, but... I think most truck drivers would admit they're they're not exactly the healthiest demo in our society, right? Not doing hot yoga on the side normally? Not necessarily. Okay. And now, of course, I'm going to some woman who can bench more than me and, and beat my ass and is hauling 18 wheels for Walmart, probably, is going to be texting me or, t or I'm sorry, uh, emailing me here in a moment. All right. With her biceps that will make me cry. And pointing out, hey, don't insult truck drivers, right? Okay, I know that's coming. But by and large, right? By and large, it's it's there's a lot of time away from home. It's sedentary. You know, you've got to make time, right? You know, it's it this isn't necessarily 
There's there's not like when you turn on that American Ninja Warrior show. Very few contestants that are like Bart. Bart's a semi truck driver. <laughs> there's just not many of those, right? Okay, so this isn't the healthiest demo in our society. So. I would imagine the comorbidities and pre-existing conditions within the nation's truck driving community are somewhat um, uh, rampant. (laughs) Right? So, where? where, 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 We live in Iowa, in the heart of Interstate 80, the most traveled roadway in the United States of America. I mean, I just traveled I-80 last night back and forth across Des Moines going out with the wife I I did not pass a lot of trucks that just look like a scene out of a left behind movie where the driver just died and the truck's on the side of the road I, I didn't pass any of those have you I, I mean you've been traveling recently for sports I've with the kids I again right? a lot across have you, have you have you seen the graveyard of dead truck drivers who just had to park their rigs on the shoulder and and look up at the sky and say I'm coming to get you Alice I'm coming to see you right all, there all clear okay next question let's localize it as Peter Tosh once didn't say uh, where are all the dead grub hub Uber Eats and other food delivery drivers that worked the entire time all over your town delivering your food. You know, for you teachers who you're, it's unsafe for you to go to school now, but it was safe to have Olive Garden delivered to your home twice a week. All right. Um, so where's all the dead Grubhub workers? Uber Eats. Aaron, you're a trendy millennial, right? Mm-hmm. And your wife's a nurse who works nights, so you don't want to be cooking. You're, you're ordering out, right? That's the trendy millennial thing to do. How many times did, did you fail to get your order? Because it said right there on the app, another Grubhub worker down. I mean, they got the count right there. When you go to the Grubhub app, it's got a count right there. Days without incident. And it's always at zero because of the amount of Grubhub workers that have bit the bullet due to COVID-19, correct? Yeah, basically all of them. They don't exist anymore. Endangered species. Yes, yes. So where are all of the dead food delivery drivers? Where are they? Where are all the dead grocery store, gas station, and all the other essential workers across the country that were open the entire time? Where are they? Where are the customers who right there in the aisle, when you, when you lost track of you know, those one-way signs and everything else, and you, you're going backwards, and they look at you like you know, that woman and Mr. Mom, you're doing it wrong, right? I was doing it wrong in Walmart the other day, and I kid you not, a woman looked at me and just died right there. She fell dead right there in the aisle at Walmart. Okay, that didn't happen. But I'm, I'm, where are all of the dead grocery store workers and their customers? They were open the whole time. What's the casualty count from Kroger? What, do we know what the CFR at Kroger is? Have we gotten an update on that yet? CDC's 150%. <laughs> Thank you. Um, next question. How about daycares? Daycares were considered essential businesses in many places across the country during lockdown. If schools are unsafe for teachers and students now, then where were all the dead daycare providers and dead children who were in those daycares during the lockdown? I was driving by La Petite Academy here down the street from where I live. Very sad scene indeed. The hearse was not there again. was not there again to haul out the bodies. 
They weren't just having a funeral right there in the parking lot. Another another baby down. They weren't doing it. So where where are all the dead daycare workers? Where are all the dead kids kids that were in those daycares? Where are they? If the schools are unsafe, then how come the daycares were safe? Next question. Um, where are all the dead engineers, makeup artists, cameramen, and all the other personnel required to keep nitwits like this guy on these television networks on the air the entire time that we were locked down? How did ESPN stay on the air this whole time? Where were the stories? We, we, we can't play football now. But ESPN could have a campus where thousands of employees worked every day to keep its networks on the air every day. How many of them died? Like Kurt Schilling was asking us yesterday, what happens if one baseball player dies? What happens if one CNN anchor dies? One MSNBC engineer dies? One ESPN makeup artist dies? How many of them have died? Do you know? I do not. I, I Googled... Um, I, I Googled... Where are the dead CNN employees? And the first thing that Google gave me was wear a mask. Let's go to the next question. Uh, where are all the dead protesters among the hundreds of thousands we had in the streets during the month of June? Where are they? Where's all the dead protesters at? Um, well, they were peaceful protesters. So they're resting in peace now i would assume right mm-hmm. uh, apparently so could you point me in the direction then uh next question where are all the dead european pro soccer players since they returned to action last month where are all their dead older coaches somebody threw that at me what are the coaches are old okay where's all the dead and the soccer coaches are there putting down lung darts half the time on the mm-hmm. sidelines right so where's all the dead chain smoking older soccer coaches uh how about their family members that they went home and then killed with their asymptomatic spread do you know i mean you're betting on those premier league soccer matches are you given a death toll not yet no okay and you probably would have accepted some lockdowns if it would have spread some death around soccer. I, 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 I'm listening. I'm listening. You had me at hello. Yes. Next question. Where are all the dead South Korean and Taiwanese pro baseball players since they returned to action four months ago? Where are all their dead older coaches? How about all their family members? They went home and killed with their asymptomatic spread. Do we know where they are at? No. Nothing? Nothing. Hmm. Two more. How come Wisconsin which held a primary that over 400,000 people risked their lives back in April to come out to vote for, in person, by the way. Uh, and it was the first state to totally reopen by court order in early May. How come Wisconsin only has, as of Monday, 846 total deaths from coronavirus out of 6 million people? Uh, isn't, isn't an election with 400,000 people out in their homes voting, is that not a mass spreader event? You would think. Remember the initial... Now, some of the cities in Wisconsin have, have have done a localized lockdown since the state Supreme Court order. Remember those first few days, though? Right away, the bars and everything were filled right back up all over your beloved home state, right? Yes. And yet, here we sit in mid-July, late July, 846 total deaths in Wisconsin out of 6 million people. And because of that, breaking news from uh, my brother yesterday, they decided to cancel all fall high school sports it only makes sense i mean with 846 deaths out of six million people it's just doing the math yes yes absolutely fall in science todd final question 
few groups in our country travel more than our politicians do. And in case you hadn't noticed, a lot of them are old. A lot of them are old because we just reelect them forever. Forever. They never leave. All right. They're there forever. Constantly. Okay. So few groups in our country travel more than politicians do while being old and screwing us forever. Where are all the dead congressmen, senators, state legislators, etc.? Where are all of the dead politicians? They traveled the entire time. If your panic porn is faux shizzle, if lockdowns really are the right strategy, you should be able to answer those humble questions for all of us. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Uh, I think there's invincible ignorance. The term was created for what we're dealing with here. And again, I'm reminded by it when I talked to both my brother and my sister yesterday. It's the data, the math doesn't matter. This is why we talked about a spirit of the age. It seems kind of ethereal. Look it in the eye now because it's right here smacking you in the face on a daily basis. Buy, sell, or hold is next. Losing your hair is no fun. So let's talk about options. Uh, You can go to the doctor for a hair loss treatment prescription, then visit the pharmacy and try not to go broke just to avoid going bald. Or you can try keeps from the comfort of your own home and you'll get the same doctor recommended FDA approved hair loss treatment. But keeps offers the generic versions for about half the cost. And one more thing you're going to love about keeps is the convenience. It's all online. You just answer a few questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and a licensed doctor will review your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you that is then shipped directly to your door. And they're going to make it cheaper for you too. On top of getting the generic versions, which saves you money up front, how about a special deal where you save half off your first order on top of that? Half off your first order when you go to keeps.com slash grow. Again, that is keeps.com slash grow. Keeps.com slash grow. Let's get to it. It's called Buy, Sell, or Hold. Our producer, Aaron, with a lot of help from you, his friends in the audience, will throw Todd and I's way a series of predictions and prophecies. Uh, Todd, you and I will decide, are we going to buy that that could happen, sell that it's a good you know, analysis, um, hopefully have at least one good reason why we chose the way that we did. And then once per episode, if you're permitted uh, to punk out, And you are. You are permitted to punk out with a hold. But if it's for any reason other than, wow, that's beneath me to even dignify that with an answer, at at, at this point, you're going to be disconnected from your ventilator. Seems fair. Or we'll drop, we're going to drop ventilators on you, maybe. Again. Fair fair enough. Tough, but fair. Aaron. All right. We will start with Tiny Johnny, who says the DCEU will go past the MCU in both quality and monetary gain in the next decade. So not in total, but just in the next decade. I'll buy. I'm going to buy. Uh, I'm, I'm going to buy. I think, I think Warner Brothers is beginning to figure it out with bringing Zack Snyder back to finish his original vision and putting it on HBO Max, which I think you will see their subscriptions for that next year when that comes out. I think you'll see them 
skyrocket. Um, and if that plays well, then I think you're going to see them introduce a multiverse that even maybe allows them to finish that original storyline while the new Batman movie is off creating another universe. I, I think I, I am beginning to sense just following it as closely as I do. They're beginning to figure it out a little bit over at Warner brothers. Okay. And, and the whole team that ruined it with justice league, all those people are fired. The former head of Warner brothers who oversaw that got caught up in a me too thing. And he's gone whole new people in charge of that now. And I get the sense they have figured it out. On the other hand, I think Marvel has made it very clear, very, very clear. And the MCU has made it very clear that they have made all their money now and they're going for the Jamel Hill ratio. Right. Where, you know, she tweeted out the other day, it, bottom line, if you vote for Donald Trump, you're a racist. Her mother's voted Republican since Bill Clinton. Her mom is a Trump voter. OK, so I, I think, you know, if you're dealing with this with the psychosis of a cult at that level where I will out my own moms in order to get ratioed, you know, from a bunch of people on Twitter that I'm never going to meet in my entire life. But that's where the meaning of my life comes from. The MCU has made it clear that scoring SJW points in that arena is now more important to them than than the quality of the stories. They and that's not my analysis. They have they are articulating this. Kevin Feige is saying this out loud. So I'm sure they're still going to try to tell some really good stories, but um, it, it's very clear though that they're going to try to have it both ways. And so I think that there's a possibility that this is true. Yeah, that, my analysis more or less was headed in that direction. Next up is Bill Kindle. The Cincinnati Reds take the NL Central this year. There, there seems to be a, a, a lot of love for them. And I, as a handicapper, I always get concerned on the two public hotness team when they don't have... Um, when they don't have a legacy or a brand of, of success, like the Yankees, for example, okay? Um, but when everybody, like the whole zeitgeist is on, this is the new hotness, this is the new team in an offseason, I get a little concerned. That division is very strong. And in a 60-game schedule, they're going to be playing each other constantly. The Cubs are still really good. The Cardinals are very good. I, a little sneak peek, one of the uh, win total best bets I gave out for those that subscribed to my handicapping picks yesterday is your Brewers win total Thank over 30. Much. And the reason why I did that is because over 162 games, that projects to 83 wins. This is a team that has averaged 90 wins the last three years, may have the best player in the world on the roster. And if he's not the best, he's the second best. And I think the way your team is constructed, the I think your team may, be, may gain, except for maybe the Dodgers, may gain more favor by the DH coming to the National League and maybe anybody else does. Because you're not a team that wants to, your team is not built to want to win a bunch of your traditional four to three National League games. You're built like an American League team. And now you're going to get to play more American League baseball. So um, I'm going to sell because I just think there's too many variables there with the strength in that division. And I and I get hesitant when everybody's on the new hotness. That team, before they've put results on the field and everybody jumps on the bandwagon, you put a lot of pressure on a team like that. 
Yeah, that is correct. It's it's less looking down at the Reds than saying, hold on, Skippy, this is the big leagues here. I mean, look at the Cubs. I mean, they've been the pro postseason, what now, four or five years in a row. Right. The Cardinals are a dec- have decades. You want to talk about that legacy and brand. They're, the, they're about the closest thing the National League has to a Yankees in terms of just there's a in, in many respects, St. Louis has run like a college football program where or a college basketball program where they just have a, like a, like your Wisconsin Badgers are. They just have a way of, they have a culture that is established there that goes back decades. And so I just think you're asking the Reds to overcome that. Maybe the best player in the game on another team, the, the you know the Cubs have become the power in that division. That's a lot of people to leapfrog. And here's the other thing too: if they don't get off to a great start, people forget. Remember how bad the Nats were in the first forty to fifty games last year, right? Yes. And then they came back and had the best record the last hundred games, and then won the World Series. And if you get off to a bad start because that pressure gets to you and guys maybe come out of the gate slow, you're going to get buried in that division is with there, the quality of depth in only 60 games. You're not coming back. Is there a trade deadline this year? That's a good question. I don't know. Well, it just popped in my head because of what you said, the slow start. Yeah. I mean, it's a- That's a good question. I need to, I should look that up. Yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, Todd Saffle says, our love for a sport should be inverse proportion to the sport's wokeness level. I I understand, but I, I will sell. It's sport is it's it's when you were six years old and playing catch with your dad, and you had no idea what woke was ever going to be. You just it's it's the game. I mean, it's the field of dreams. It's the spirit behind that, and the the thrill of the grass, as Shoeless Joe said. It's I wish if it was that easy, I would have given up all sport a long time ago but it's something that's just thank god for that level of purity that will not it's it will not let you get cynical enough to let it go because you've got so many treasures inside of you and you seek to refine them again in whatever way you can that's really eloquent and well put um i understand that they're pushing the limits as much as beyond what most people can stand but I don't know why I have to surrender, keep surrendering this ground to these people. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm, I'm perfectly capable of watching the sport and then looking at the people doing this and saying, you're a fool and a liar, and let me tell you why. I'm, I'm capable of doing both of those things at once. But now, I, I, now I, I, I'm not denying that they can push people to a point where you where you've just throw your hands up in the air and you've had enough. Yeah, I got no problem. And, and I have will. no problem for any of you that are at that point. Okay, I I'm kind of just I'm I'm tired of handing. I'm at that point in first contact where Picard goes on that great rant. Okay, uh, you know, and we fall back. They assimilate entire worlds, and we fall back. The line must be drawn here. I'm I'm just kind of tired of falling back. I'm kind of tired of saying, yeah, you're right. You, you, you guys took that over and it sucks and it's annoying and I don't want to do it anymore. I'm, I'm kind of tired of it, you know? And now I, I know a lot of people aren't capable of doing that. that they're, they're, they feel like they kind of have to be all in. Again, I'm not, this again, maybe just as my personality. I, I, it's not necessary for me to be a joiner. 
I, I can still think it would be, it would be better for the country if Donald Trump went on November third, and think that the press conference he had yesterday will do absolutely nothing if to help that goal be accomplished, if not hurt it. Right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people aren't like that. They feel like you know that's my team, that's my quarterback. You know, I'm not like that. You know, so I have no problem whatsoever um, applauding someone when they use their God-given talents to their maximum potential and then crushing them when they use their God-given intellect and and put it in a blender. I, I have no problem doing both of those things to the same person simultaneously. Sure. Up next is Follow Truth, who says, Halloween will be canceled, but pumpkin spice will survive the depravity. That, uh, bye. I don't know how strongly I feel about it, but I'll buy. So, <laughs> this is... Tell me what the narrative is you, you're pushing masks, and any mask will do. Put a cloth. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah, sure. Put a cloth, anything on your face to save America. So we're going to send all the kids out with masks, and then the exact same people are going to turn around and say, exactly. this isn't safe? Yes. How do you sell this? We're going to find out. <laughs> follow the science. Yes, follow the science. So everyone wear a mask. But then on the night everyone will, it's not safe for you to go out with one. Sweet tarts are one of the number one fomites to spread COVID-19. Nice, nice. I look forward to seeing how this argument gets made. We've got issues with the CDC and all that stuff. Redfield, he said, I will be happy to send my grandchildren to public school. Meanwhile, teachers everywhere are sending their obituaries to Republican governors. (laughs) So that's what we're going to find out how they try to explain these things. How are masks the panacea? But on the one night, everyone outside will be wearing one. It's not safe. How, how does that work? On Halloween, black magic. <laughs> All right, so I, I'm going to sell. Halloween is the number two holiday in America by far in terms of economic impact and consumer spending. And I think this is where we get into the dueling psychoses, okay? Because a lot of the people that indulge the most in Halloween are the same people right now indulging the most in mm-hmm. panic porn. All right. And I think there's going to be some splintering, man. There's going to be, there's going to be some people that are going to be like, eh, you know, this is my Christmas, you know, and it was fine taking away your Easter services, but now you're taking away my Halloween. Uh, homie, say, homie, don't they, play that. It would be one thing if they Ow. took football away from you and what would become of you. If they take pumpkin spice away from you, God have mercy on us all. I, I got to tell you, man, the first sign of fall was at Walmart last week. The special edition caramel apple apple jacks already out. First sign of fall. I was so freaking it's July. Pumped. I know. I was so excited. Mm. <laughs> Two rain man like savants like you who see things that no one else can see. <laughs> have, hey, dude, caramel apple apple jacks are the truth, bro. They are the truth. That's some good eating right there. First in war, first in peace says top five worst things of 2020. Number five, Fauci. Four, Fauci. Three, Fauci. Two, Fauci. And one, Fauci. Bye. This, this, a million times this. Bye. I very lovingly sell. There's been so much that has been loathsome. But... 
I, I'm not hating you for it. I appreciate the game. Next up is no longer a Dixie Cup. With shortened training camp and no preseason, NFL teams overall start out sloppy as hell, most obviously on defense. I think it's, I'm going to sell. We learned from college football it's the other way around. That the defenses are ahead of the offenses because of that. The timing and the precision and those sorts of things, not there. Now the so, NBA, no, basketball in general is different. Usually the offense is ahead of the defense. Yeah, but that's because... And it's not those necessarily guys' primary the, skill sets are putting the ball in the basket, yeah, and they and play not, both ways. And it's not necessarily because the offense is better at that point than the defense. It's just it's easier to run forward than backpedal. Yeah, so I, I in fact, if, if there will be no preseason games, and there should not be, and I agree with the players on this one, there is no reason risking if you want to pull this thing off and it is as important to communities and the country and the economy as we all think it is what is the point of playing games that don't count in the standings with a bunch of guys that you let into your bubble who aren't even going to be on your team does that make any sense to you whatsoever none and it's and 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 it's such an obvious attempt by the owners to just get another couple TV paychecks and advertising paychecks that in a league that prints money. The NFL craps money, man. It doesn't need to risk a season over that. The players were right to revolt against that. I was all in on them doing so. But I do think you'll see something similar to college football. We've got decades upon decades of, 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 of data on college football that shows what happens when you don't have preseason. Here's what you need to look for is... Teams that are break have aren't sure about who their kickers are. All right, so if they're if the kicker kicking game was weak last year and they missed a bunch of field goals and they're breaking in somebody new, all right, uh, teams breaking in whole new quarterbacks and whole new systems, right? That's typically where you see upsets in college football week one. Teams with new kickers and new quarterbacks. Similar thing. I would look for the same thing in the NFL without preseason because they're also not going to have those joint practices that teams do together where they have training camp together for a week and practice together so they get almost extra preseason games in. They're not going to have any of that. These teams are all going to be like college teams in their own bubbles practicing against each other. So I would look for some some slop on the offensive end those opening weeks, particularly with teams that have new quarterbacks and new systems. You know, I'm going to sell because I think they're a they're pros. You know, this is not for many of them their first rodeo, and because they're pros, they they will. I think they'll simplify the playbook to minimize the sloppiness. Particularly your, your first throw for Joe Burrow at all to all if they're starters is going to be a you know their first. Uh, professional football game it's not going to be in a uh, uh, preseason game you know they'll they'll just do what it takes to help them succeed so i i, I think it's going to be less sloppy than you'd think but it's going to be more simple that could be how they try to counteract i agree that could be true too all right we'll come back with hour two and more buy seller hold as well as our weekly profit of woe and lamentation daniel horowitz will be joining us next All right, back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. By the way, if you do listen to the podcast, leave us a five-star review. Smash that subscribe button for us, if you will. The more of you that do that helps the podcast to grow as well. 888-900-3393 is the number. Thank you to all of you that have done those two things for us. If you're a podcast listener, we appreciate you too. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email us. That's a D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve 
Steve Dace Show at Steve Dace on Parlor. YouTube.com slash Steve Dace is our new YouTube page as well. Part two of Buy, Seller, Hold, brought to you by Home Title Lock. Deborah could not believe she was being evicted from her own home that she never sold. And this is what happens when you learn, or could happen, uh, when you learn that you are a victim of home title fraud. That's a devastating crime that could cost you your most important investment, your own home. And title fraud is not, repeat, not covered by your homeowner's insurance. The only folks to trust to protect your home's title that I know of are at Home Title Lock. Cyber thieves have discovered that our title's to our homes are kept online so they forge your name on your deed stating that you sold your home and refile as a new owner and in deborah's case she didn't know she was a victim until that eviction notice arrived home title lock though will put a virtual barrier around your home's title the instant they detect any tampering they will mobilize to shut it down but first things first, go to hometitlelock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and don't even know it and then use the promo code Steve for 30 free days of protection. That's the promo code Steve at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, promo code Steve at HomeTitleLock.com. Aaron. Up next is Constantinos Rodidas, who says, In my professional campaign experience, Trump should put ideas on a 3 by 5 card and pin them on a wall and then have a, have a chimp throw his feces randomly at the wall and then campaign on those ideas. It would be better campaign strategy than the one he has now. Bye. Bye. And you're not joking. I'm not joking. And and as just to reiterate what I said yesterday, because it's actually even more true now that we saw what he did yesterday in his in his task force briefing that came after our show. There are there's no such thing as a lukewarm hell in politics. You politicians love to have both sides of an issue. And and often they will strive for it. But when your electorate is as polarized and balkanized as ours is, it doesn't work. In other eras, when the Republican Party was a little right of center and the Democratic Party was a little left of center and, you know, the debate was the 20 to 30 percent of people in, in the middle and both parties were generally pro-American and were essentially debating, right? Like F FDR and Truman had no problem at all. Uh, killing as many enemies of the United States as uh, they could get their hands on. No problem. Didn't even bat an eyelash. All right. Um, they just disagreed with Republicans on what the scope of the welfare state or federal government or bailouts ought to be here at home. In those eras, trying to get to the both to get to, to get to both sides of an issue was was a viable political strategy because they're really there really weren't things that truly polarized and balkanized the electorate. The amount, we, we were pre-liberal media, conservative media, so we weren't in an era yet where partisan content was being monetized, right? Where I could just get entertained by the by content that, that affirms my partisan politics. And so the classic two-faced politician speaking out of both sides of their mouth and getting to the getting on to both sides of every issue, um, that was a very effective political strategy when we were a more homogenous society from a values standpoint. What's happened in the baby boomer generation, though, is the counterculture has has driven a massive fissure culturally in in America. 
And we're not just dealing with slightly left of center and slightly right of center parties and squishes in the middle. We haven't really been dealing with that really since Reagan. Reagan was the Republican Party's first affirmative response to the new political environment. Meaning an alternative vision for governing America to what the Democratic Party offered. And the Democratic Party went nuts. It just, it seems a trite form of nuts compared to the nuts we see today, right? Yes. But people forget that, I mean, they were laying down in front of nuclear tanks in West Germany, demanding, like you hear, defund the police today, disarm and the Soviets will leave us alone. Right? Do you remember those arguments when we were kids? Sure. If we just if we just stop making nuclear weapons and 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 stop giving Helmut Kohl in West Germany and Margaret Thatcher in the UK, if we stopped giving them military nuclear uh, tactical weapons, the Soviets would stand down. They they're only doing this because we're the ones militarizing. Remember these arguments? Oh yes. Defund the police has become is is now the the new evolution of nuclear uh, um, uh, what deterrent. was deterrent uh, deproliferation or whatever the term yeah. was at the time. All right, that's that's what it was back then. People laughed, and that's why Ronald Reagan won forty nine states. People were like, Democrats in Massachusetts were like. Wait a minute. Democrats in Delaware probably named yes. Joe Biden. Yes. So I remember I remember when we invited Nikita Khrushchev to come over here and tour Iowa and Disneyland. He responded by going to the UN, taking his shoe off, pounding the podium with it and saying, we will bury you. And he was the flippin' moderate, right, in the Soviet Politburo. And your argument now, that your argument is, Ted Kennedy, if we stop building nuclear weapons, the Soviet, those people, they're going to leave us alone. That's stupid. And Reagan won 49 states. We've actually, the cultural fissure we're dealing with now has actually been here an entire generation. It's just become a chasm. It's a full-blown schism now. Because a whole new generation, I went and saw Field of Dreams, took my son and my wife to see it last weekend here in the theaters in town. And man, it was something to see the side plot uh, with Kevin Costner and Amy Madigan, uh, these two Berkeley hippies that are now going to the small town Iowa city hall and, or, or city council meeting and school board meeting and demanding they don't burn books and allow critical thinking. Well, what are their children doing in the day and age in which we live? They're right. the book burners, right? Right. See, this already was there. The counter, the, 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 the boomer generation and the counterculture it gave birth to opened this fissure. But what's happened is with an entire generation and not dealing with what's going on in the schools, not dealing with what's been going on in the universities, and then subsidizing it to the hilt at the exact same time. What this fissure that even in the 80s, most of Americans looked at and said, um, I don't have a clue if we should, pri- I don't believe in privatizing Social Security like Ronald Reagan does, but I know this, if, if we stop uh, pointing guns back at the Soviet Union like Walter Mondale thinks, I'll be lucky. I'm not going to need Social Security because I won't live that long. Right? Sure. But what's happened now in this generation is this fissure has become a chasm and it's a schism. It's a full, full-blown full schism now where it's not a counterculture anymore. It's an alternative culture now. It is not a counterculture. It is an alternative culture. A new 
country is attempting to supplant the one in which you live. Full-blown. New, eth- new ethics, ethos, cre- uh, history, everything new. Everything new. In replacement of you and me. And one political party is operating full bore in that mode. The other one refuses to. Either because it's it doesn't have any balls, um, it lacks spine, courage, or frankly, because a lot of them kind of agree more with the new country coming in than the old one that you sent them there to conserve. Whatever. And that varies on a case-by-case basis. But the end result is the same. One country, one political party is playing conquest for real. The other one's kind of playing this like a game of risk, like it's just a board game. Not playing it for real. There's you in that environment when you have that level of balkanization and polarization. Obama proved this. How many more times do I have to point this out? That it is no longer about winning a majority of the American people, but winning a majority of the American people who vote. That you don't ever really have to expand your base with in the traditional way. You do have to expand your base, but not in the way that we're accustomed to. Where you run hard right or hard left in the primaries and then in the general, you know, what was the Eric Fernstrom, the Mitt Romney consultant, you get out the etch a sketch and you start over, right? Barack Obama broadened his message in general elections in 2008 and 2012, but he did not moderate on any of the issues. And in fact, he was more liberal in 2012 than he was in 2008. He was still talking about, hey, marriage is between a man and a woman in 2008. (laughs) That seems hard to believe. It does, yeah. So the Republican Party will not adjust to this environment. And I just think it doesn't want to. It doesn't want to accept this truth. And the main reason why, I think, is because it empowers people like you that are watching or listening to us right now. And they don't like you. Only party that hates people like you more than the Democrats do are the Republicans. That's why you're constantly stuck in a lukewarm hell. You're 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 firing water guns with you know lukewarm temp water at blazing infernos, and you you're gonna get you're gonna get ran over eventually. The Democrats in this in, in this election, they made it official this week when their standard bearer said it's too dangerous to open the schools. They are. All of their emotion is all in on team lockdown. That's where their passion is at. Locking the country down. Team panic. The Republicans can only win if they offer an equally passionate alternative to that. An equally convicting alternative to that. Otherwise, the passion of the other side is going to drive out so much of their electorate that you won't be able to compensate for their turnout. So you need conviction to drive out the conviction and and turnout within your own side. That press conference yesterday did not do it. Did the opposite. All right. Created impotency or impotence, I should say. Um, He looked weak, tired unsure of himself that was not a commander in chief there that looked like somebody who's waving the white flag frankly I mean I got five emails in 10 minutes from people around the country I'm just convinced right now he doesn't want to win 
I have a hard time believing that, but if you're sending your base that signal, that's bad, okay? That's a bad thing. This is a lot like sports. When, when I used to do sports talk radio and people would call up and ask and, and lose their minds, and we got screwed by the refs again last night, look at the free throw count, aren't we the home team, and our coach just standing there with his hands in his pockets. And I used to think, man, is it, it's just nuts to assume you care more about the outcome of the game than the guy whose livelihood is riding on it, right? Sure. But then I realized after listening to the fans what they meant by that. What they wanted to see is that you shared their frustration. You shared their emotion because they view this as a symbiotic relationship, right? I'm a, this is my team. I'm with them. You're with me. And if you don't, if you're not fired up by the things that fire me up, you kind of send a signal that maybe we're not on the same page here, right? Yes. That's what's going on right now in the White House. He made several arguments that his base agrees with yesterday and then made several that his base are fighting against at the exact same time. Now, my own theory is I believe this is because his ego will not allow him to let go of the canard that he saved millions of lives with lockdowns. And that is politically paralyzing him. Because you cannot simultaneously argue that and then become team reopen while cases are spiking. If lockdowns work and cases are spiking, then guess what we should do? What should we be doing then? Lock it down, right? Yeah. Let's do the mental math. Follow me along. I know. If lockdowns I know. work... I know. And cases are spiking. Then the the then the after the equal sign, what's the answer? Lockdowns work plus cases spiking equals what? Lockdown. Need more lockdowns then because the cases are spiking. If we have more lockdowns, that help or hurt his presidential aspirations? It hurts. Uh, meta, it, yes, mortally wounds them. In fact, yeah. But as long as he wants to hold on to the talking point that the lockdown saved lives. And keeps reiterating that. He's driving with the gas and the brake on. He's in a lukewarm hell. And the other side's out there saying all the crazy stuff their base wants to hear. Firing them up. Folks, how should I put this? Our audience has increased by order of magnitude. We're pulling in larger social media interactions and followings than shows with a lot bigger platforms than us right now. It, and it and it shouldn't happen. Maybe we get a viral clip or a viral video out there and it catches fire, right? Sure. But I mean, like over a period, a long period of time, this has been going on. And it shouldn't happen when you just do the math between some shows and ours, when you look at the capacity and the size of their platforms and audiences. So I have to ask myself then, why is this happening? And the answer, I believe, is because some of those other shows we're outperforming are still kind of doing the traditional, um, let's defend Trump from what's, you know, the, the, the let's, Peter Strzok texts and the Mueller probe and where's John Durbin's indictments. You know, the, the Those stuff things that, are infuriating and rightfully so. Yes, they are. Absolutely. But, but I go back to what I said a few minutes ago. A lot of women in Massachusetts who thought Ted Kennedy was a, U, a great U.S. senator voted for Ronald Reagan for yep. president. 
Because even though they liked Ted Kennedy's ideas on Social Security better than Ronald Reagan's, they thought Ted Kennedy, if his presidential candidate got elected and disarmed in front of the Soviets, would get them killed before they got their next Social Security check. Know what I'm trying to say? Yes. Same thing I think is happening here with our show. There's a lot of people that think that that think those issues are important and infuriating, as you just said, Aaron. But here's the reality. If we don't get our way of life back, if you think you're struggling to get answers on the, about those things now, try doing so out. Try doing so with allowing all this corona fascism and tyranny we've permitted to just stay in place for evs. What it shows me is that even amongst Trump's base, I don't think I'm allowed to, to disclose our traffic numbers here at The Blaze, but let's just say, without giving you specifics, it is a sizable chunk of the 60-some-odd million people that Donald Trump got votes from in, for, in, in 2016. A sizable chunk. And what it says, what, it, what, what, what the growth in our show says... And its performance against other shows and conservative media during this time shows is that in Trump's base right now, the number one most important issue is give me my bleeping country back now. End this farce now and this scam now. Because that's what they wanted before all this stuff yes. happened. Now it's on steroids. Yes. I remember when Trump announced that they were going to prolong the 50 days to flatten the curve, just 30 days to, to, to slow the spread, which is now, I think, I believe, day 128 or something. Do you guys remember my mood when I came in here that next day? I do. I, I literally thought about resigning. I mean, we openly talked about it. And you know why? Because I, I, I'm like, I don't want to do the 2016 election all over again. I, I just, I don't want to sit here and, and have a passive-aggressive war with my own base. I just, I don't want to do it again. I did it once. I don't want to do it again. Because I really thought... When Trump decided to go ahead and give into the panic porn, then a lot of people would say, well, I got to back my president, man. So if he's panicking, maybe there's reason for the panic and we ought to panic too. Because I was never, never going to panic, regardless of how much he did. I was just never going to do it. Unless the data, well, if the data told me to panic, I would. But the data told me not to. So I wasn't, wasn't going to. What we have seen since he did that is our audience has exploded all the more. If anybody over at the White House is listening right now, and I know a couple of you are, You should be very concerned about the growth and success of this show because of the way that it happened in comparison to the current trajectory that you are on. Your White House is operating opposite the trend line of, of what is making of, of what is working within your own voting block. And now we're going to try to we're going to have a lukewarm hell on masks. I don't think masks will work, but everyone should wear one. If they don't work, why should everyone wear one? I don't think masks save everything, but they're patriotic to wear. Why? Does any of that make any sense? No. No. So what happens is the people who hate you hate you even more now because they just think now that you're just a fool and you don't really mean it. And then the people that really want to like you like you less because you're offending them either with self-refuting logic or you look like you're punking out on them. The reality is the number one reason when, when we on the cruise campaign asked people, why do you want to vote for Donald Trump? Because he fights. We heard that, right? Remember that? Yes. Because he fights. How much fighting has he done the last few months? Was that a fighter up there yesterday, Aaron, when you watched? Nope. 
And that's who he, that's his brand. And if he doesn't return to that brand, he's going to lose even to a guy with a dementia rattled brain and he's going to lose bad. And I'm not saying that because I wish it to happen, but because I don't. I didn't sit there and scream at Lloyd Carr the entire 2007 Rose Bowl because I wanted Michigan to lose. No, because I want him to win. And running Mike Hart into a 75-man defensive front on first and second down for nothing to then go into third and 13 wasn't going to work. But we just kept doing it the whole game. I wasn't rooting for USC. I wanted the guys wearing my uniform to win. That dog wasn't going to hunt. That wasn't going to win the game, though. So stop doing it. Do what will win the game. Do what will win. Some of you are like, support the president. Folks, I'm. If, if this show had the power and potential to stop any Republican from winning a national election, I'd be making a lot more money. Okay? I mean, I would guess even being never Trump the entire 2016 campaign, I would guess over 90% of this audience voted for Donald Trump. No. No, 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 no. I'm not the one you got to worry about. He is. Something's happened there. There's no fight there. None. Lost his fastball, man. Um, I mean, uh, so I don't know what's happened. That guy, though, I competed against him. There wasn't a day in my life for about two years I didn't have Donald Trump on the brain. Either thinking of supporting him and having him win with me or then competing against him afterwards. The guy who who tried to convert me and then the guy who I tried to defeat, I don't see that guy on the stage, man. That ain't the guy that, that, may, that, that reduced Jeb, Jeb Bush to rubble to the point he can't show his face in public. That ain't that guy. That is not the guy that mystified Ted Cruz. How do you, how do you beat a guy who's just impervious to shame? How do you do that? These are the conversations we used to have. You see any signs of that at all? No. I don't either. So if that guy doesn't return. Team Dementia, it is, with Joe Biden, and we're all on the Zachary Taylor watch. Aaron. That was good. Good stuff. Uh, Chris Roman says, top five mask movies. Mask, Mask of Zorro, Man in the Iron Mask, <laughs> The Mask, Fauci's Mask and Ventilator, Porn Emporium, Director's Cut. Oh my gosh, that's so good. Walk off. That is, yes. We should have maybe saved that for the very last one. Good luck. Good luck. Who was that you said? Chris Roman. Good luck following up that. That's that's a magnum opus right there, brother. Well done. Yeah. See, absolutely. All right. Uh, completely switching gears, Jacob Hibbard says, Nebraska can no longer be considered a blue blood football program. Also, I, I, I think we have to define blue blood. If we mean historically, it's an obvious sell. All right. So what is it? Number six or seven or something, all time winning as program. And then you look at all of its national titles, everything else. If you're looking at it historically, you know what? I'm right. I'm going to go with you. I sell that it's not a blue blood. If you would have worded it, Nebraska is no longer an elite program. I would have bought that. But 
you can't take all of that history away. Now, maybe 20, 30 years from yes. now, it doesn't matter as much, you know? But for right now, no, you can't say that it's not a blue blood. I yeah, got to sell. You and I could be 70, 75, ask this question and right. say, have you, now you then. have forsaken sure. your blue, but not yet. Sure. No. Like if you, if you remember... Minnesota in the first half of the 20th century. It was one of the four, five, six best football programs in the country, right? And so we were sitting here in 1970, 1970 instead of 2020, playing buy, sell, or hold. And someone sent us a, what would they send us in 1970? Okay. I don't know. Uh, Telegram? A, a pigeon? <laughs> a carrier pigeon arrived for us to play buy, sell, or hold. And it was, Minnesota's no longer an elite football program, no longer a blue blood football program. We'd have been like, well, it ain't what it used to be, but we still remember Dr. Benny Bierman and Bronco Nagurski, right? We'd, we, we lived during those days. But if we had that conversation in 1990 or 2000. Oh, even after last year's really nice year, you're like, blue blood? Yeah, still me? Blue, but it's not a blue blood anymore. So maybe if things don't get better in 20 or 30 years, you and I have a different answer. But I, I still remember what it was like watching um, uh, watching Grant Wistrom come off the edge. Amon Green destroy uh, a crease in the defense and take people to the house. Or or Lawrence Phillips. Or, the most enjoyable college football team I've ever seen play is Tommy Frazier sure. leading that team. Sure. And and then Brooks Berenger was a phenomenal quarterback yeah. at that exact same time. Uh, or you go back to the team in 83 with Irving Fryer, uh, Turner Gill, uh, the running back, uh, Mike Rogier, the first to ever rush for 2,000 or second to rush for 2,000 yards. And I mean, we could go way, way back. We could do uh, Johnny yeah. Rogers, Jerry Taggy. No, it, it, we're, it's still too recent to say that's not a blue blood program. Absolutely. Yeah. John Thornton says Mount Rushmore of NFL head coaches Bill Belichick, Don Shula, Joe Walsh, and Vince Lombardi. That's a great list, but how do you leave off Chuck Knoll with the four Super Bowls? The first coach to ever do that. You said Joe Walsh, you meant Bill Walsh. Bill right? Walsh, yes. Yeah, sorry. Joe Walsh is on a Rocky Mountain High. Um, so can you put that back up there? I think we have to agree Belichick belongs there and Lombardi belongs there. Shula is the all-time winningest coach in the NFL. He belongs there then, right? Two? So we're really I'm debating Bill Walsh or Chuck Knoll. That's really the debate. Bill Walsh or Chuck Knoll, right? I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head who would throw in the But do discussion. we stipulate that Shula, Lombardi, and Belichick, Belichick. are givens? Yeah. Do we stipulate to that? I, th I think so. Okay. Is it possible that Shula could be the... How do you leave the, the winningest coach in the history of your sport off of your Mount Rushmore, though? Because, who's got Super well, Bowls and the I, only undefeated? I, I, he's got the only undefeated yes, team, the I winningest think, coach of all time. How do you leave him off? Because of the Dan Marino argument, never won a Super Bowl with arguably the greatest. Yeah, but I think that works against Dan Marino because look what Don Shula did did before Dan Marino. But I'm yeah, just, I hear I'm you. Not, I, hear I, you. I, I don't want him we're, off. We're doing I'm, the math, okay, in person. But I'm saying okay. if you put if you if you give if you say Belichick and you say Lombardi for sure, and then you take the other three, it's not obvious to me that you take Shula over Bill Walsh and Chuck Knoll based on what they accomplished. See, I, now now we're having a, a now we fine tune the argument. I think it is obvious you would take Don Shula over Bill Walsh. I don't think it's obvious you take him over Chuck Knoll. So I guess so then we have decided point. then Chuck Knoll should be there instead of Bill Walsh. He's the fourth one. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Let's do a few from uh, Parlor. You can follow me at McIntyre. You can follow Steve at Steve Dace on Parlor. Dustin Turner says the three obsessive and angry people who always reply to every Steve Dace tweet will change Steve's mind before Trump stops talking about ventilators. 
Uh, yeah, I'm going to sell, unfortunately. You know what I thought? I'm waiting for this tweet. Donald Trump will stop talking, or parlor, parlay. I'm waiting, or Donald Trump will stop talking about ventilators before Steve Dace is invited to speak at CPAC. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for that one to arrive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sell. Uh, next up is Valatarazzi, who says Trump's new campaign manager will be out of that job in the next 30 days. Well, if you Bye. look at the way he goes through personnel, I would buy. Yep. Uh, let's see. One more, I believe. Uh, Dave Way says churches will begin hiring armed security for all public functions before Christmas. Uh, if they, they should be doing this already, frankly. Yeah. You should, oh. If you have any any crowd of magnitude at a church, you should have somebody there either in or out of uniform. That's armed security. So bye. And sorry, I lied. One more quickly. Ben Copeland says the GOP is less effective than a cloth face mask. Bye. <laughs> Bye. That's the, the GOP, that's another magnum opus right there. The, yes. The GOP is a diaper on your face. Nice. <laughs> Speaking of diapers on your face, the man that coined that expression himself, Daniel Horowitz, will join us next. So why do we buy, as humans, so many supplements these days? It's because the food we eat is stripped of all that really good stuff we need. The prebiotics, probiotics, vitamins, minerals, nutrients, antioxidants, omega oils, etc. And so the supplement industry has become one of the most lucrative in the world in order to compensate for this. So our food is made cheaper for mass production. And then when we're not as healthy as we need to be, we go out and buy the supplements instead. Same thing is going on with our dog food as well. And if you're a pet, you want to see your pet thrive again. You want to put that good stuff back in your pet's food. You want to check out Rough Greens Vitasmart. It is not a new dog food. It's a premium dog food supplement that puts all the good stuff back in. It's in powder form. You just pour it onto your dog's existing food that it already loves. And apparently it makes it taste even better, I guess. I don't know. I've not sampled it myself, but our dog, Cap, absolutely loves this stuff. And right now you can get the 14-day jumpstart bag for just $14.95 and see the difference in your dog and 14 days or less. Just go to roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com slash blaze. Again, that's roughgreens.com slash blaze. Let's go to our weekly profit of woe and lamentation. Daniel Horowitz is with us. Quick little tease for the overtime today, because this is going to segue to what I want first thing I was going to ask you about, Daniel, is the 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 initial um, foray into the White House attempting to get control of the data. Because I have, I believe the number one issue we have in pushing back on the corona fascism is bad data. A lot of it's not being shared, being exposed, etc. And and people like you and me and the folks on our side that are combining our forces to do all this work, that's great. Has, but we have no chance up against the entire media industrial complex. We need a, pol- a bully pulpit like the White House to do it. So in our overtime today, HHS has taken over as the, the White House has reassigned the primary data distribution platform from CDC to HHS. And yesterday, HHS put out a chart on current hospitalization rates in the country. In the overtime today, when we get off the air, we're going to run through that entire chart all over the country. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. That's BlazeTV.com slash Dace. So you can watch that. Now, Daniel, it with moves like this, it appears that 
either elements within the campaign or the White House are beginning to recognize they have got to up their game here uh, in the data war on this virus. Contrast that with whatever in the Sam Hill that was from a presentation standpoint from the president last night. And it, it appears to me that he is stuck, and I explained this to the audience a little while ago, that he is stuck in a lukewarm hell, Daniel, the worst place to be in politics, because as long as he demands to hold on to the talking point, that is not true. It's factually not even true that he saved millions of lives with lockdowns while then trying to champion reopening. He's arguing against his own premise at the same time he's arguing for it. He's actually debating his own base. Now he's doing it on masks. On one hand, he says masks don't work, but wear one anyway. I don't think masks solve everything, but they're patriotic to wear. This idea that you can split the baby in half on this stuff. We've seen every Bush try this. We've seen the McCain. We've seen Mitt McCain try this. It never works, and it appears right now that he thinks this is his strategy. Steve, at its core, why did people elect Donald Trump? They elected him because people were sick of being confronted with the issue du jour of our time, whatever it was at a given time, a given year, where Democrats would pound the lectern, their phony data, their talking points, their speak, uh, their appeal to morality. This is what we must do. This is what we can't do. And then Republicans like McConnell and Paul Ryan would get up there and they would essentially echo the left, albeit you know, hey, let's not spend quite as much money, or they would just sound more reluctant and more diffident and more foolish over it. So then the voters would choose the real thing because the only narrative they're getting on their plate is that this is what you should be doing. This is the scope of the problem. This is the array of solutions. And the, this side seems to be more emphatic, more energetic, more yeah. uh, you know smarter about it. They wanted Trump to come with different talking points, different narratives, different stories, different agenda items, different data. That's what they wanted. What the president did yesterday is what he's been doing recently is he takes everything that McConnell and Ryan did and he does it bigly. You want to do ventilators? I'm going to do ventilators better than you. You want to do lockdowns? I'm going to do the greatest lockdown ever. You want to do masks? I'm going to really champion masks. Wouldn't mention a word about opening schools as evidence piles up. A epidemiologist from uh, Great Britain that works for the government said that they have never seen an instance where they transmit to a teacher. Um, and by the way, there's a study that our buddy Dr. Andy Boston found out from Hong Kong in 2003 from SARS-1 that kids didn't transmit either. Interesting. Hmm. You know, we learned the same cross-derivative um, uh, biological qualities from one to another. But here's So the we've deal. had two Kelly, SARS viruses, and children are not the vectors for either one of them so for far. For either one. They're not yeah. the vectors. Kellyanne, Kellyanne Conway just uh, – uh, gave a outdoor kind of press meeting a couple a couple minutes ago. Some of these states blew through our phases and they opened up some of the industries a little too quickly. I just put out an article with charts and graphs showing how we started the lockdown the same time Europe did. The severity was roughly in line with the median European country. We have kept it to this day longer than any European country. I know. Other than Great Britain, yep. keep in mind we've barely reopened. We barely, we haven't gotten to phase two in California. Never did in California, and they have a surge in cases. It's demonstrably false. But like you said, what am I supposed to do when I put out this stuff as someone at Blaze Media and 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 the White House 
just literally validates the narrative. Not not lukewarm hell, not split the baby. I would I would disagree with you, Steve. On this issue, they've taken the entire enchilada. I mean, and this is what I'd not I'd us. not heard Kellyanne say that because now I, I I would agree with you. I thought yesterday the president remained mired in the lukewarm hell. But if they're now going with the narrative that we reopened too fast, then at that point, stop running for office. The, the Democratic running, Party, just, the, the Democratic Party is team lockdown. They're all in. Biden's their standard bearer. It's too dangerous to go back to school. That's their narrative for this fall. It's Trump's virus, and that's why we have to stay locked down. The Republican Party cannot counter with, um, well, you know, we want we want an orgy too, but we're just going to sell. Con- we're going to give out condoms. You cannot beat them at their narrative. So if the narrative, if, they're, if the Republican Party response is, then we, we reopen too fast, then there's really no point to doing this for another 100 days. We're just, we're waiting. There's no point. Joe Biden shouldn't do any more interviews. We're, we're all wasting our time now because both sides are arguing the narrative that only one side can effectively argue. Joe Biden already said he would keep Fauci. I, I, I challenge anyone to tell me what you would see and hear differently under Biden. I actually could give you an answer to that. Let me tell you something. We'd fight him. We'd f- we'd, if, dude, if Joe Biden were president and, and they tried Greg to Abbott re-lock down Texas, the streets all through Texas would be full of our people right now. Would be full yeah. of our people. E- even the rhino governors, we saw this under Obama, they would push back. They would have the righteous indignation. Could you imagine had Hillary Clinton been president and the mask stuff would have been promulgated from her. I know. Propagated. Yeah. I mean, the memes, the narrative. But here, it's almost like, you know what, Steve? Trump has become a ventilator where you can never really survive. I hate you. But you can't get off of it. I hate All you. it does is ensure that you can't. See, we needed to do surgery or real treatment, but we never did it. And we just went on a ventilator. That's what we've done. So now we're caught. We can't survive. We're going to die politically. But then on the other hand, on the other hand, Steve, we have we can't fight back. We're comatose. This movement is comatose. We have them mandating masks on two year olds, mandating masks outdoors. I mean, you have freaking 40 percent of Texas's deaths are in the border counties with nine percent of the state's population and like one percent of the state's population density factor. And yet, none of them will say anything. None of them will talk about the riots. None of them will talk about um, all the H-2A labor camps that are spreading this. And then, you know, we have more of those. And, oh, we have a a visa cutoff, except for from Mexico, and except for EB-5, which come from China. Um, I mean, I'm I'm not understanding. This is almost biblical, Steve. This is biblical. It's divine retribution. Because I can't see a scenario where you could have had the left be this successful in implementing, not debating, not floating a trial balloon like Trump does and then doesn't do it. But they they do. They do through the counties. They do through the states. They do through the courts. They do through their army, which is BLM on the streets. They do. They don't ask. They do. We are closing the schools. You are going to wear the mask. Imagine if you had a debate whether a two-year-old should wear a mask. We would have, I mean, people would throw the data and then, no, we're just going to do it. Shut up. You can't say anything. This is what we're doing. Um, and then yet still zero push. I'm not seeing pushback in a single red state anywhere, anytime, any place, because we have this ventilator that is this Trump presidency 
that just puts us in the worst position. Like you said, with the lukewarm hell, it's like an advancing army that comes out behind their defense, defensive lines, but then kind of doesn't attack, but then doesn't retreat, and they're just exposed. We are getting saddled and blamed for all of the outcomes of what the left has done, but being owned by the Trump administration. And then at the same time, he kind of just looks more like a quizzling because I think the public perceives that he doesn't really want to do it, but he's kind of validating the points of the left. So they're right. Lockdowns work. I mean, no one's offering anything. And then people like you and me get marginalized. There's nowhere for us to turn. So you know what? I think our country is far gone beyond this electoral solution, especially at a federal level. But if that is your business, if that is what you think will save this country, you have an obligation to ask this man to step aside. Wow. Yeah, it's that simple. I I, I mean, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, Daniel, it's all November. The country, we're going to have tyranny if Biden wins. We're going to have Look Look at what's going on in Chicago. We're going to have that if Biden wins. Um, but not if... Trump I don't want to mention their name because I like this person. I saw a tweet yesterday where someone pointed out three things that were occurring, including the Portland riots that are now on day 54, and said, this is what will happen in America if Biden wins. And I read that and I thought, you just sent out a tweet of things that are happening right now, right now, and then said, this is what will happen if Biden wins when they're happening right now. I don't understand that. Help me understand that argument. Help me understand where that's coming well, from. Well, the, 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 but, but Steve, there's another level. Biden will win if you don't push right, back right, against right, that. Right, right, right. I mean, this right. is the thing. We could disagree. Obviously, we believe it's going to be even worse in a second term. Because theoretically, if Trump were to win, the left would implement, again, through the states, the counties, the courts, and BLM, They'll do what they do. They'll burn what they burn. They, they won't pass a piece of legislation and say, let's burn a federal courthouse. They'll burn the federal courthouse. Okay? Then you have to have a response to that. You have to have both legislative, executive, bully pulpit, um, funding, and, and, and just brute force. You have to have a response to that. If you don't have a response, they're going to win. They're going to win even more. Okay? But fine. Okay, Trump has to win. Okay, I, I certainly don't want Biden to win. But he's not winning. He's losing Texas. I mean, you and I know certain polling Mm -hmm. data that has been very consistent Mm -hmm. that he is behind in Texas. So even if it's early, yeah, he'll close the gap. But if 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 you're that much behind, then you're not winning. The question is, what what is the margin of the loss? How many good county governments that we could potentially use to launch a revolution are we going to lose as a result of that? I'm just saying at some point, this becomes completely indefensible and the question is do we have to wait for november 2nd for this to happen or do we realize it earlier because what the president demonstrated yesterday is that he is incapable of leading us out of this and is incapable of winning the election unless joe biden somehow does something to to blow it which is increasingly hard because he's using the virus as the perfect cover not to to campaign uh, not to speak not to take questions not to flash his dementia exactly exactly i I just at some point 
you know, and, and then you look at the violence with them all talking about the BLM agenda when they have a perfect jujitsu on data and narratives, mass shooting, 15 people killed or shot at a funeral in Chicago yesterday, a two-year-old killed in Milwaukee, a five-month-old shot in Chicago. I can't even keep track of this. All because of repeat violent offenders jailbreaked. But Jared Kushner just did an interview a couple days ago in Newsweek. They need second chances. Victims of crime never get second chances, even though these guys get 10 chances. Um, you know, Kern, Texas. This is Texas. Quickly, three, I'm almost out of time. Three retired law enforcement officers on motorcycles were killed by an illegal alien with yeah. two DUIs and one assault <clears throat> in Texas. Where's the narrative? I, I can't do their jobs for them. I, I, I can't be more pro-Trump than Trump is himself. Daniel, thanks for joining us as always, brother. Wow, plenty of woe and lamentation there. You, you almost pushed me to my limit. Maybe even did. Good to see you, man, as always. Take care. Hey, if you're thinking of getting into the real estate market at any time, you want to make sure you've got an agent you can trust, but that's especially important right now with the uncertainty of the times in which we live. If you want to find that agent, I'll give you a website. Name kind of says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com. That's the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Now, why do you want to go there? Because all of these agents have been actually vetted with a proven track record of performance because an agent's just not going to put on their website or on their business card, I'm lazy. They're not going to say that, okay? So how do you know you can go all in with an agent who's all in for you? How about somebody who's already been vetted for you, all right, that views you as the one that uh, they are privileged to serve, not the other way around? Go to realestateagentsitrust.com to find that kind of agent anywhere in the country. Realestateagentsitrust.com, one more time, the website is realestateagentsitrust.com. Any quick reaction to the conversation we just had with Daniel? That's the, that's the game, <clears throat> at least for the, the entirety of my life that I've been paying attention to this. This is the game. Folks, this is the game. You finally, finally get somebody, you vote somebody into some office, some Republican into some office that you think, finally, we've beaten the establishment, or finally, this guy is going to fight for us, or finally, this guy is going to push for what I want to have done, for my agenda, for my what, what have you. Finally, we did it. And then they disappoint. And they don't do what you wanted them to do. And then the next election... When you're jaded about this person and that person loses, the same characters come around and say, and that's why we can't listen to you yokels. And then we just keep Mm. on doing the cha-cha slide to the left. Okay, we're in the uh, third or second or third phase of that game with with Trump again. It's a tale as old as time. Just yesterday, in anticipation of the, the the video that we've been ripping on with Trump and the ventilators, I said I can't want it more for Trump himself. But I'm also simultaneously stuck with wondering, do Iowa's governors, Iowa's governor and governors like that have a chance against a Democrat is the best reason just not to vote for them? I don't know, man. I don't know. John 3, 17. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.